is the Venny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Yes, actually it is. I believe I was replaced with some reruns. It's good to feel important over the last few weeks. I, I mean, you could take it as doesn't matter that Vinny's away. We'll just put some reruns on because he doesn't really matter anyway. Or I choose to take it as Vinny's not here. No one compares to him. Oh, we'll have to put some reruns on. Loads of people called this uh, wondering why uh, you hadn't been on. They were worried. Uh, I'm all right. I've got a cold, but I, that's not <laughs> that's not a reason for skipping three weeks. Um, I was in Nicaragua. So, yeah. I feel guilty saying that because I do know it's been horrifically cold here. And I do also appreciate that I'm very fortunate. But there's another part of me that thinks, nah. Smaller part. Um, welcome. My name is Vinnie White. It's the Vinnie White Show. It's back. It's a news-flavoured pancake covered in comedy syrup and... Powdered with shoddiness and slapdashery. Slapdashery, not a haberdashery. That's one of my favourite words, actually. Isn't it? I just wanted to get it in. Haberdashery. There was a day, it was a few years ago, I went to the haberdasher and then I went to the cobbler. And I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed telling people what I'd done that day. Did you uh, not have enough time for the candlestick maker? <laughs> I went down Pudding Lane in London. There was a fire. The blacksmith was closed. <laughs> yes, he was, yeah. My horse was a right mess that day. What else medieval did people do? Uh, oh, and of course, so I, I frequented the ale house. Yes, the public house. Yeah. I shall say that, so not get in trouble with the missus. Sounds more authentic. I frequented an ale house. If you can say that, then you could, you're probably sober enough to get away with not getting in trouble. Anyway, that was bizarre beginning to the show. Um, you can text the show on 71010. Thank you for asking where I've been, and thank you for listening to the show. It means a lot to me. Um, I really love coming back. I do. Last time I did this show, it was four weeks ago. and So I missed three weeks, right? And four weeks ago, I was a 39-year-old Brit. Get your head round this one. Now I'm a 40-year-old Canadian. Mm. Congratulations. Thank you, Pat, the producer. Um, yeah, I did it. I got my citizenship. Ten and a half years I've been in this country. Cannot find the airport. Um, and I thought, right, it's about time. Uh, well, I thought many years ago it starts start to do the paperwork. Which, by the way, if you're born here and you haven't been through the process of citizenship that I've been through, I'll tell you what, it's really hard. I, honestly, it's really hard. There's nothing I don't know about Canadian history now or geography. Test me. Randomly. What did John Cabot do? So the process was very difficult. Very difficult. I think there's a problem with the mic here. Don't know if you heard that. John Cabot, mate. Italian explorer. Knocked about the Maritimes. Ah! Giovanni Caboto. Oh, that's good. Bonus points for that. I've got 20 out of 20 on my citizenship test. But some of them are really easy. One, first of all, they're multiple choice. I can't tell you. Oh, can I tell you this? I've been told not to talk about it. But I'm a citizen now. What are they going to do? Ha! Let's break my first law. All right, I'll give you a clue as to what one of the questions might be. Or it's similar to this. How about that? Because I'm not actually allowed to tell you the questions. And I think in the position I've been put in of trust, I should probably honour it. But um, one of the questions is very similar to this. Is the Canadian flag A, a shovel, 
B, a broom, or C, a maple leaf? That was tricky. And in case you got lost, they were all around the room anyway. Wow. Because you can't really be in a room in Canada without seeing a maple leaf. It's like not seeing the Stars and Stripes. In Britain, we're not quite so patriotic. You can go a few days without seeing the Union Jack. So I guess the, the questions had to have gotten progressively harder, but not too hard. The hardest one was... Oh, again, I can't tell you. But it was similar to... Um, name a man... Can I say, oh, it's really hard to come up with a similar question. Uh, name a, a matey hero. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. I probably couldn't do it, but I know who they want the name of. You'd know it if I said it. Yeah, Which exactly. I can't say it because now I'm already on thin ice, which is another question. What's the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for your tweet, text, text. Oh, you can tweet as well if you want. I'm Vinny White on Twitter. I don't use it much, but I'm going to change that because I've deleted Facebook. So I'm becoming more tweety. So you can tweet me on Vinny White and you can text me on 71010. And thank you um, to uh, everyone that's texted. I feel quite a lot of people, actually. Uh, first one says, congratulations on joining the rest of us Canucks. And um, someone else says, welcome back. You were missed. Tell us about Nicaragua. Other than the temperature, what's it like? I will. I'll do both of those things. So we'll start with citizenship. And also I should tell you what's coming up on the show. Okay, so Amanda Capito's coming in. And I think it's going to be a really good laugh this time. Amanda Capito, it, she used to do a feature called Newsy Poos, but we've pretty much abandoned it. She's just a friend that comes in for a chat now. Let's just call it what it is. And this time, I think it's going to be particularly interesting because Amanda was with me in Nicaragua. Yeah, and something happened. So I will, I will let her spill the beans on that a little bit later. So that's coming up in the show. I'm going to talk about Nicaragua. I'm going to do some new stuff, but not much because it's kind of depressing and that penis of a man is still in power down there so um so we won't get too into that um but i, I would like to tell, tell you about this citizenship first of all so, so ten and a half years ago i came to canada and i came to um i was sort of pulled by a woman um who had enormous breasts which makes me very shallow but i like to think of it as more a sort of physics thing a gravitational pull if you will and um anyway we didn't last and it went quite well for a bit but then i found myself without her um, she's a lovely girl, nothing nothing against her. Hello, Lisa, if you're listening. And congratulations for having so many children. I believe you're still pumping them out. Congratulations. She wasn't Amish, she just enjoys the physicals. One of the reasons I came. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, I split up with her. Oh, my God, I appear to be doing my life story. This is going to be terribly boring. Let's speed it up. Um, stayed in Ottawa, where she lived. Uh, got a job on the radio. And then moved to Toronto and started working here and doing... I've got a company as well, which I always bang on about, called MrPhotoCanvas.com. Did you know that, Pat? What was the name again? Oh, it's, I don't think I said it very clearly, mate. MrPhotoCanvas.com. Do you know what they do? MrPhotoCanvas.com? I'm not sure exactly what they do. Well, the name, Mr, sort of ignore that and just look at the root words there, photo and canvas, because what I do, I make your dreams come true by putting your photos on canvas. You know what would be uh, great uh, for a service like that is if I could pay on pickup. Well, it's funny you should say that, albeit not that funny because we do have this conversation every week. Um, you can pay on pickup and we just trust you because like, you're Canadian, I'm Canadian, let's all just hug it out. Amen, we're all in it together now. Word to your mother, my mother, the Queen. Our mother. Um... 
Earth was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So, life story. <laughs> oh, God, let's speed this up. So, yeah, then I started doing paperwork, became a permanent resident, thanks to some sponsorship from a company that was hiring me to be a full-time DJ. And then um, moved to Toronto, started working here, done that, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Now, the amount of paperwork that you do is mind-bending. So, you know, there's all the obvious stuff like, you know, can you get a police check in Britain and forward us that? Can you tell us your parents' names and background and so on? And some of them are really hard. Like, I remember one of the questions for permanent residents was, what school did your dad go to? I don't know. And he was he died when I was 17, so I had to phone my mum and sort of work through the family to work out what school he went to. So a lot of it is like really painfully laborious. And I understand that because the fact is, if you make things really difficult, then less people are prone to apply. And there's a lot of people that want to get into Canada. So I don't begrudge it, but I do want to make clear that it was hundreds of hours of paperwork. And you can use a lawyer, but the thing is, the lawyer's still going to ask you the same questions. It's not like a lawyer is going to go and look up your dad's school for you. So there's no point. You have to do a lot of paperwork and it's quite a lot of pain, yeah? So I did that and because of that, I sort of lost my way as to what I was doing, right? I wanted to become a citizen because that way I can get a Canadian passport. Not that I have any plans on going south of this border. Um, and uh, I could, you know, be in the Navy, which is what I've always wanted. No, um, I can vote and all the other stuff that you get with citizenship. Not much more than permanent residence, but it means you can't get rid of me. Aha. Anyway, so I wanted to do that. And so I decided it would be a good thing to do, to do all this paperwork. And it went on for so long and it was so difficult. And it came back in the mail so many times that I sort of lost what it was that I was doing. So when I got a piece of paper saying, well done, actually it doesn't even say well done. It's all very matter of fact. It just says you should attend an oath. I almost sort of didn't realise what was happening. It was like, oh, this is another step in the 300 steps, then I'm going to have to do something else. And it wasn't until I was driving there the other day um, that I realised that I was about to become proper Canadian. I had uh, so much paperwork on me in case they asked for anything that I actually had it on wheels. That's just to give you an idea of how much paperwork there is. I had I was wheeling my paperwork to the citizenship oath. Turned out I didn't need anything other than just some ID. And there was no questions. It was all done. It was just the ceremony. But I was so sort of paranoid about the amount of work that it had got to that I knew that there'd probably be some nightmare bit of paperwork that I'd have to do. Well, there wasn't. And it was just a ceremony, a celebration. So imagine the scene. You go in there and you really feel like you're part of a community. There's people from all around the world, young, old families. There's probably about 40 people in the room. You bring your girlfriend if you've got one and some mates if you've got some of those. Luckily, I had both of those checked off, so they arrived. And uh, you dress up as much as you can, and you look uh, rather funky. I was going to go for the beaver outfit, thought it was a bit much, played it safe. And um, you take an oath to the Queen of Canada, who I recognise from somewhere. I've seen her face before. Um, and the oath itself is fairly it's simple. You just sort of, you know, put your hand on your heart if you're into that sort of thing, a book if you're into that sort of thing, and uh, just repeat the, the very simple oath, uh, pledging allegiance to the Queen of Canada and Canada. And they show you a video, which is, sort of shows you from sea to shining sea, the amazing um, spectacle that is this really amazing land. And if you're listening to this from outside Canada, it's way too big to get around. But if you can be bothered, it's really beautiful. There you go. That's the, the dictionary definition of Canada, I believe. Way too big. Just, if you wouldn't mind, I appreciate that people need that grain and cereal and all that stuff in the boring bit in the middle. But if you could just 
cut that out, send it off to sea, meet up the two sides, or you'd have a cracking little country here. Take it from us Europeans. Keep it small uh, and lose pieces of it every year. Bit of advice for you there. Anyway, uh, so point is, and I'm trying to make it, I'm making it very long-winded. I'll finish in a minute. I had almost no emotion. Not just because I'm British and I am a stone-faced man, but um, because I wasn't prepared for it all to be over. So I can't tell you how weird it was after the oath, after that little video, when they said, congratulations, now, no matter where you are in the world, you can say, and I encourage you to, I am Canadian. And they said, you can try it if you like. And I said, I'm Canadian. And I cried. I, I absolutely lost it because I all of a sudden realised what it meant. And I was, believe me, I wasn't alone. Most people were having a little whimper. The lips were flapping. So it was really quite monumental. And I just pulled myself together and dried my eyes for the for inevitable pictures of me standing around holding a little uh, flag. And um, then they give you your certificate of citizenship and a letter from Justin Trudeau. And the the letters we are now part of community, uh, you know, all the usual bump. But it finishes with welcome home. And I cried again. What a little girl I was. I should have put a pink dress on because I absolutely lost it. And it was such a warm and wonderful end to the road that I feel very honoured and proud. And although I am living evidence, they'll let any bugger in here. I would like to thank you all very much for the sort of ten and a half years of guidance and wonder that you've shown me and being such amazing people. And I do feel genuinely proud to now say I am Canadian. I'm also British, not giving that up. Oh, no, sorry. But, you know, I'm dual. And, and for that, I'm honoured, so thank you. You're tuned in to The Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. So, how are you? You all right? Is everything cool? I hope it's going well with you. Um, do text the show, let me know how you're doing and all that shenanigans on 71010. Did you have a good St. Paddy's Day? That's good, wasn't it? I really enjoyed that. Um, but I don't suppose you saw the American politician Paul Ryan attempt to celebrate St. Patrick's Day in the, uh, in the most Irish way possible and it backfiring because he used this weirdest pint of Guinness. Yeah, the Speaker of the House uh, supped a pint of the black stuff after making a speech at the annual Friends of Ireland lunch in Washington on St. Patrick's Day. And it was the most weird pint of Guinness I've ever seen. It looked terrible. I think it might have been coffee that it just managed to froth up a bit because it didn't look like Guinness. It was semi-transparent. It had no head on it which if you have any Irish blood in you, you know that you should be murdered for immediately. Um, the outrage on Twitter was brilliant. Irishman Conor O'Neill. Is he Irish with that name, do you reckon? Mm. Uh, he said, in a subtle yet cavalier act of diplomacy, Paul Ryan seems to have the worst Guinness imaginable. Various other Irish people tweeted various things. Uh, I'll never drink Guinness again, said someone. Oh my God, how long has that pint been there? I can barely look. Uh, there wasn't enough left over in Trump's budget to get Paul Ryan a decent head on his Guinness, said an Irishman. And Paul Ryan tried to pass off, pass off cold-brewed coffee as Guinness. And the thing is, right, not only did 
said he used the most disgusting looking pint of Guinness of all time. He also said, top of the morning. <laughs> like, can't you just ask the Irish ambassador before you say anything and get the world's crappiest pint of coffee Guinness out? Can't you just say, do they say that? And they'll say, no, they don't. No one in Ireland has ever said top of the morning, apart from the idiot Americans getting off planes acting like leprechauns. It's just, it was just the most tragic, embarrassing look. And so typical of everything that's going on down there. Oh, dear. So that was that. My St Paddy's Day was, to say the least, one of the weirdest days of my life. So... I've been in Nicaragua for the last um, few weeks, right? In this dusty little town on the coast, on the Pacific coast. By the way, to, if you're wondering why I always go there, any long-time listener of the show will probably notice that every year I go there. Because I love it. I love it. I, it just makes every cell in my body vibrate with happiness. If you've never been to Nicaragua and you want somewhere good to go that's hot and safe and beyond beautiful... You really should go. You really should. Tie in with a trip to Costa Rica if you want. Uh, but I reckon skip Costa Rica altogether and just get down to Nicaragua. It is absolute bliss. Just the most comedically beautiful place. Like the, having one giant lake isn't enough. Let's put two volcanoes in the middle of it. right? Having one coastline isn't enough with the Caribbean blue waters. Let's also have another coastline on the other side with the Pacific and have loads of surfing and sexy people. So it's absolutely everything you've ever wanted, really. Well, so everything I've ever wanted. I just I adore the country. And um, as if that wasn't enough, there's also like these beautiful old Spanish colonial towns like Granada and Leon, because it used to obviously be a, a real hub um, of the new Spanish empire. So gorgeous, absolutely epic. And on St. Paddy's Day Eve, I'd actually forgotten what day of the week it is, as you tend to do when you're in holiday. And so when I met an Irishman, he said, what are you doing tomorrow? I didn't even think about it. I was like, I don't know. He goes, well, you know, it's St. Paddy's Day, right? Now, I'm half Irish. My dad was Irish. And aren't we all in some way or attempt? Um, so I thought, well, whatever he's doing, I'll do. Now, at this point, all my friends, girlfriend, everyone that I'd spent any time with had left. So I was on my own. So I'm like, yeah, I'll hang out with you, Mr. Random Irish Man. So what I didn't know was that he had organised a annual St. Patrick's Day parade. He's an expat that lives there. And so he says, turn up at this pub, bring 20 bucks, and you can drink all day. Uh, I'm like, okay, this already sounds fantastic. Uh, it can only get better. He said, there's some floats. We're going to get on them, and we're going to drive around town. Town being this very dusty little surf town on the Pacific coast of southern Nicaragua near the Costa Rican border. And uh, we'll have a bit of a laugh. I'm like, okay, floats, that's weird. What he didn't mention... What he didn't mention is the floats were carts and they were pulled by ox or oxen, I believe the correct term. So I turn up, there's four carts, there's eight oxen, right? And a load of already drunk expats wearing green. It's 30 degrees and the sun's beaming down, lovely little surf town. Jump on the back of these carts and drive round. Now... Over the years of going down to Nicaragua, I've noticed that it's almost impossible to arouse any reaction from a Nicaraguan. They're passive people by nature at the best of times, uh, but they also are so exposed to the ridiculous amounts of noise and mad traffic on a regular basis that basically you can't, you can't surprise them. So it was with great glee 
that I was cruising around the back streets of this little dusty town, being pulled by ox, drinking beer uh, and shouting sloncher, when I saw numerous people, Nikans, jump out of their hammocks and get their phones to take pictures of me and the various other, probably about 50-odd people on the back of these uh, various carts being cruised around. So it's probably the most surreal St Paddy's Day I've ever had. Finished with a cheeky little midnight swim uh, in the nuddy. And uh, nothing wrong with that. So, yeah. Fancy that, Pat? Want to come next time? Not, mm. for the, not for the naked swim bit. That's mental. No, I've, that's I, I like a dream retirement is to buy a bar on the coast someplace like Nicaragua. And you do lots of, you know, like corny American 80s bar type stuff to bring in the tourists and the expats and everything. And then... Uh, you just live your life, uh, you know, like you said, it's in a comedically uh, beautiful place. Yeah. Now, if you owned a bar where, I mean, it's already a, about a dollar to a dollar fifty a beer. If you own the bar, then I assume that it's essentially free, really, uh, particularly if your bar's doing well. Do you think there's a risk that you'd become a raging alcoholic? There's a risk, but I think I have enough self-control. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Of course it's a risk. <laughs> you let, That's you know, the reason I wouldn't do it, because I just... Well, I, so, that all beer, all day, everyone else is drinking. Hello? Yeah, you're either around people who are all drinking, or you're in the middle of nowhere, completely isolated, and you're having, like, three days of lull and no business. You yeah. want to get drunk. There are alcoholics that live down there, expats, obviously. I suppose they're everywhere, aren't they? And I saw I had this weird, I know it's a terrible thing to say, so forgive me if it sounds a bit harsh, but I have a weird admiration for them. Because I'm like, there are many places in the world it would be terrible to be an alcoholic. If you have chosen and accepted, I should say accepted, not chosen, um, to be an alcoholic, I could think of worse places. Yeah, it's like a Roman, uh, sorry, a romantic, drunk, Hunter S. Thompson uh type of thing like you're in you're making all your own decisions yeah and you're you know it's the end of your life you'd like to think you're a classy one writing literature but in a in a kooky way yeah rather than shouting at the television screen and going oh, another one which is quite often the case but yeah there is just something slightly more romantic about the idea yeah absolutely and you're uh you know you're the guy who dropped out and it's a very like to be an expat is a kind of a cool uh, mysterious kind of thing anyway so yeah um someone says you speak so affectionately of nicaragua that it seems like you should offer nicaragua the opportunity of being an addition to canada by way of territory or province you go on then i remember a few years ago when we were thinking about for want of a better word buying Turks and Caicos, and I did a phone-in on the radio, and everyone goes, nah, have you seen the deficit? We can't afford Ireland. Who cares? Give me the Ireland. West Jet down there in two minutes, go on. Nah, we can't afford it. I don't care. It's worth getting in debt for. Getting in debt to buy islands is fantastic. If Nicaragua is for sale, I will contribute everything I own. Pat, chipping in? I don't know. I don't have that much. And, I don't, and once I chip in everything I got, I don't know if I can afford to get down there. <laughs> <laughs> so Amanda Capito was in Nicaragua with me and some other people. She's coming in next. So we'll cut to a break and then we'll see just what went on down there. And I think you're going to like it. This is the Venny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. 
Um, I've started a bit of a riot here. What? Turks and Caicos could have been Canadian? I never heard about that. That could have been our version of Hawaii. Ah, Canadian dollars. Ah, to dream. Where the temperatures reach 30 degrees, said someone on text. Text in on 71010. And, um, yes. It was quite some years ago. It was a conversation. Because they're not very well managed, Turks and Caicos. Brits had a go. We get everything wrong when it comes to international affairs, as you know. Um, and then someone else said, I think it's definitely worth reading out because it's just, it's not funny, but it's a very, very good point. And I missed it earlier. Talking about my citizenship, someone said, it's really interesting to hear your perspective. Look how emotional it was for you. And you're one of the people that chose this country by way of free will and not because you're escaping some sort of threat or persecution. Absolutely amazingly good point. One that I regret not making myself. Thank you for texting that in. Hello, Amanda Capido. Hello. Are you on a live satellite link somewhere else? Because you look like you're opposite me. <laughs> no, I am. No, I had to turn on my mic. I forget how these things work. It's been a while, isn't it, mate? It's been a while. I was like, where's the on button? Man, Capito, I've got to have a little chat with you, mate, about something. Yeah. All right? Lay it on me. The last time we did a show, when it came out as a podcast, available for download at vinniewhite.co.uk. Available for download. vinnywhite.co.uk Last time we labelled it, I labelled the show Volcano. Okay. <laughs> and the reason I did that, Amanda, <laughs> is because the last show we did, we talked at quite some length about what's known as volcano boarding. Now, if I can just remind listeners roughly how that conversation went, I won't play the audio, I'll just remind people with my mouth... What we talked about, Amanda, is how you wanted to go volcano boarding, i.e. strapping yourself to a sled and boarding down the side of an active volcano in northern Nicaragua. Correct. And I said, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not doing that because it's dangerous. Correct, so far. So, am I right in saying that we went to Nicaragua, Amanda? Yes. Now, did I come with you and drive up to Leon in north of Nicaragua while well, you decided with your harebrained friend to involve yourself with volcano boarding. Yes. Did I stay in the hotel, use the pool and eat breakfast and have a cheeky beer at lunch? Yes. How did it go for you? I'm going to preface this story with this is not volcano boarding's fault. Okay. This is actually our health system's fault. Oh, I see. Yes. This is a larger conversation that needs to be had. Talk to me. So... First, I'll let the listeners know what happened on the volcano is that I went down and I tumbled and it was not a crazy tumble. It was a tumble that mm. others had. So and just run me through the whole scenario. You walk up a volcano. Yeah, you hike up for one hour to the top of a volcano, which is beautiful and amazing. Yeah. And then you, you do, it is like a toboggan that you're holding onto a strap and you're like sitting down on and then you control your speed by how much you're tilting forward. The more you lean back, the faster you go. Mm. So I was going fairly fast. I were was, you the first down the hill? Or? I was. Really? You were keen? Yes, you I was were keen, keen. I was so excited. Before. I was yeah. so excited. I love this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so um, it's about just under two minutes to go down the full volcano, and I made it for like 45 seconds, so mm. not even half, until I took a tumble. And they say, if you take a tumble and you can catch your board, you can just pick it up and keep going. But my board just flew <laughs> All the way down, just the way I fell. And How do you take a tumble? Do you hit a, a rock and it bounces? How does it work? No, because it's all rocks. You're on gravel, so it's it's rocky. This is the only volcano in the world, by the way, the only live volcano in the world you can do this on. Right. 
and it's like little gravel pieces. So no, what I did was there was a photographer on the hill on the volcano oh, taking pictures of you. Yeah. And so I just he was like, you can pose for the picture when you're going by me. And so I was like, yeah, I'm gonna pose. <laughs> Because I felt so confident, I, I took one of my hands off of the, off of the, uh, the handles, and I gave like a big thumbs up, and yeah. then, then it was all like, then it was all gravel in my face after that. Like I don't. Are remember. you wearing goggles at this? Yeah, point? we wore goggles and like a. You wore a one piece suit that had really thick material, so because when you tumble, you would Hang scrape on a yourself. I've just realised was this just an elaborate ploy to, <laughs> to wear, wear yet another onesie? onesie. I knew it, <laughs> and it's the only one you can get in the world that's in bright orange. <laughs> That's why you did this. It's really for the onesie, yeah, for the photo op. <laughs> so you go homing down there, you fall off. Yeah. The board goes away. You yeah. bounce around. What do you land on? Like the rocks. Yeah. It's, no, but it's not rocks. Your... It's just little little gravel pieces, like sandy, like gravelly. I think it might be volcanic rock. Yes, it's volcanic. Yeah. <laughs> Being that it's a volcano, <laughs> unless they drive sand up I'm there. I'm trying to give you like a, a an indication of what the texture was like. Yes. Okay. It's gritty, sandy type. Of, yes. Mm. It's volcano rock. So you take a tumble. Yes. And then I walk down the hill. I have to walk down it then. Mm-hmm. And then I just like wait at the bottom for everyone. Any pain? Any problems? Yes. So like I, I injured my knee. Mm. Now, the preface to this story and why this is about the Canadian healthcare system mm. is that I injured my knee in October. I don't even know if we talked about it on the radio. But I was playing soccer. And as many soccer players do, I, I injured my knee. And it was told to me by the wonderful medical experts of our hospitals in downtown Toronto mm. that I had tore my MCL, which is ligaments on the inside of your knee. Mm. Did they follow up with, however, don't worry about it, you can probably go down a volcano, yes, no yes. problem. Yes, wait for this, wait for this story. Mm-hmm. Okay. They told me, you tore your MCL. MCLs mm. heal on their own, and with proper physio, you can be better within six months. Beautiful. Good to go again. And this was October, so it kind of times out pretty It much. actually times out perfectly. Yeah. So I said, great, I did the physio. I spent thousands of dollars because I was going twice a week, and these sessions are 60 to $80 Ooh, a session. Did you pay yourself as well? Well, I have benefits but didn't cover for all of it, of course. You, mm. you whip through those benefits very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I did everything according to the doctors. I went for a follow-up at the hospital who confirmed once again that it was just an MCL and that I was looking great and we're all good to go. Never did any imaging. Never did anything other than an x-ray to tell me the bones were straight, but no imaging to see actually what was wrong with the ligaments. Okay. So by the time my six months for Nicaragua came, I went to my physio doctor and I said, I want to go volcano boarding. What did he say or she say? He said, you are cleared. If it was your MCL that was torn, you are cleared. You've done your six months of rehab. Your knee looks amazing. When you come back, you can start playing soccer again. I was actually told I could start playing soccer again. All right. So when I took this tumble on the hill mm. and I was reverted, reverted back essentially to like week three of my injury, mm. how I was feeling after week three, I knew immediately that this was, I, there's no way I could have, that, that the type of tumble I did was going to revert me back so far back. So what's happened? Because I noticed you hobbled in here as well. Yeah. So now going back to the hospital that originally diagnosed me. Yeah. I'm finding out, oh, I have actually have damage to my MCL, my ACL, and my meniscus. And this was not done on the, on the volcano. This was done in the original injury uh. six months ago. And that they misdiagnosed. Mm. And so now I have to wait. I'm on a waiting list for an MRI that I should have actually gotten mm, right when the injury happened. Ooh. But because of the weight of our healthcare system, they don't want to give people MRIs, especially if they're looking good after two weeks. I was walking because I was doing all the physio and I have very strong quads. And usually if you have strong quads, it overcompensates for the ligaments. (laughs) (laughs) And now here I am likely going to be a surgery candidate. 
Right. And it's going to take another year for rehab. Putting more weight on the system. Putting worse weight on the system, yes. Mm. Go get that surgery in the States. I'm tempted. It'll be better quality. You'll get in right away. Better quality, I don't know, but, but getting oh, in I right do. away. Well, our, we have amazing doctors here, so amazing orthopedic surgeons, but it definitely the weight will be different. And I've also been told if it's a tear, an ACL, people, I find also people with knee injuries, we all unite because everyone has a story. So feel free to text in if you have a story about this. <laughs> knee news, 71010. Yeah. But if you have a partial tear, if you have a tear, like 80% of your ligaments torn in your ACL, yeah. that doesn't grow back. Like, it doesn't heal on its own. And even though 80% you would live in, you know, you have a flare-ups all the time, they won't do surgery. Right. They wait for it to fully blow in I Ontario. I don't feel that I would be a responsible journalist yeah. without asking the following question. Ask away. And please do not come over the bench and smash me in the face. Fine. Do you think, in retrospect, despite the imperfections of the Ontario healthcare system, it may have been somewhat foolish to jump on a board and hom down the side of an no, active No, because it would have happened. He actually, the doctor at the hospital even said, you could have just tripped on the sidewalk and been this happened to you. Yeah. Because I was never healed and I thought I was. The statistical chance of falling off a board on a volcano is higher than one falling over a curb. But I'm saying it could have happened anywhere in my life. I could have just like stepped the wrong way, just jolted my knee the wrong way. It was going to happen, essentially. Yeah. It was going to happen some way in my life in some sort of tumble. Also, I was about to go play sports again. Like, I yeah, would come back enough. and played soccer and it would have happened. She is a very active woman, Amanda. Yeah, so I could have even done it in the gym. I could have done it rock climbing with you. Like, it could have happened anywhere. Yeah. So it was a matter of the, like, it was just a matter of when. And yeah, the, the volcano made it happen again. But if anything, it actually sped up the realization that I was misdiagnosed. So if anything, it was actually good that I did it. So at least now I know what's actually wrong with my knee. <laughs> and I'm not living a lie of a healed knee. That is... Your relentless optimism <laughs> getting out of control. <laughs> but I'll allow it because you're in pain and I'm scared of you. Um, because every time I take the piss out of you about this, you look at me as if you want to kill me. No, because I'm so mad about all of this. Are you? I am. Are you mad? That I'm not it... mad about volcano boarding. I'm mad about our system. I see. Yeah. All right, then. Um, I know Jerry Agar will back me on this one. Jerry Agar will back <laughs> you on anything that is a downer on anything to do with anything governmental. <laughs> If you came in here and you'd accidentally shot yourself in the head, he'd say, Guns, that's the Ontario law on guns. They probably put it in your hand, didn't they? Because that's how he speaks. Because he's um, a Italian New Yorker, I think. Not Italian, but it's okay. Um, I would like to say one thing, right? Because I, I all got a bit serious, right? But I, I, you know, I think it's fair to say that there was one particular event down there in Nicaragua that we had that, Took that frown and very much turned it upside down. I think one of the, the highlights of my life <laughs> happened down there. It's a big word. Right? And I mean it as well. I genuinely of mean your it. Life. This is not hyperbole. <laughs> Probably the best moment I've ever had in my life. <laughs> oh my so God. if you feel a bit bleak about all that knee stuff, pin your ears back for this one. This is what actually happened. Do you right? have the audio of this? I don't have it. Okay. It doesn't work that well. Okay. I was going to play it. But um, I think hopefully we can paint a picture with words. When I was down there, one of the reasons I went down there, one of the reasons Amanda came down and some other people and we had a good fun was it was my 40th birthday, right? And we're driving to the beach one day in this rental car and in front of the rental car was a mariachi band in the back of a pickup truck. And one of the guys that we were with, an Irish guy, said, you know what, I'd like to hire them. I bet they're for rent for the right price. So... That planted it in my mind. And that night, we were staying in quite a nice house with a very large balcony 
in this uh, overlooking the sea. Very lucky and fortunate that we are. And so the Irishman went off and spoke to the mariachi band once their truck had stopped and said, lads, can we rent you? The seven-piece mariachi band. Full costumes. Full costumes, you name it. Yeah. Big cravats <laughs> and uh, black stripy suits. Very beautiful-looking men sporting fantastic handlebar moustaches. Yeah. It was straight out of some weird Mexican movie, but here we were in Nicaragua. They agreed to it. He chucked them 150 bucks, and they came up to the house we were staying at, and Amanda had had a few beers. We all had. It was Nicaragua. And I flew in that day. Keep in mind. Oh, yeah. You were really... This was really... my first oh, yeah, day. Yeah, I was completely you... jet-lagged totally. and travelled all overnight. And we'd thrown you in the ocean and we'd given you beer and yeah. made you dance and all this kind of stuff. So Amanda went for a nap when the mariachi band arrived at the house. I'm on the balcony. Girlfriend is knock, knocking up a bit of chicken. Like, there's loads of rum around. There's quite a few people down. There's probably about 25 people, excluding the seven mariachis. Yeah. Uh, on the very large balcony, and we're having a great time. Amanda sleeps through the theme tune Happy Birthday played by the Mariachi Band. And I have to add that my room has a sliding glass door leading to this balcony. This like, I'm just separated by a piece of glass, essentially. So I am loving life. I'm 40, there's a Mariachi Band on a balcony, I've got a rum in my hand, a cigar in the other, and I couldn't be happier. This is epic. Like, I didn't even dream of my 40th being this good. But then I thought, oh, isn't it a shame that Amanda's not here? <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun <laughs> if I sent the entire Seven Mariachi band into her bedroom where she's lying on the bed asleep, <laughs> told them to gather round. So in my <laughs> attempts at Spanish, I said, could you please be quiet and just follow me? So we go to the back of the house. Amanda's in this Amanda's in this. Uh, bed right in a coma state snoring away she's got a mouth open it's not it's not that beautiful in all honesty oh god get out of here i think there was an iguana in there oh. a couple of geckos had got in. <laughs> and um she was snoring away and so we very stealth like tiptoe in there's me filming it there's seven mariachi bands at which point i got a bit annoyed with the trumpeter for some reason he put his trumpet in his mouth and went i'm not sure man <laughs> he's testing it hey this is not you can't do band practice <laughs> So he shut up, right? We all gather around the bed. A couple of mates come in. Girlfriend comes in. It's a small room. Two this Irish is like, a, yeah, so, like a 10 by 12 room. So even if there wasn't a band with instruments, if she woke up, she'd have gone, whoa, this is weird. Yeah, yeah, right? like there, too many people. Yeah, there's, so there must have been probably about 20-odd people in there. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, I don't know if you knew this, that also outside on the balcony, there were people looking in. I didn't know that. Yeah. Know so that. basically everyone was looking at you. Oh and... And they said, what, what's, what song do you want? And I said, well, I think the one that comes to mind is La Cucaracha. Oh. So it was at that point where one of the highlights of my life happened. A mariachi band played Cucaracha. Full blast. To Amanda, and we videoed her slowly waking up. It was amazing. <laughs> like, just imagine being in such a slumber state. I don't even know where I am country-wise. Like, I've forgotten. It's my first day. Yeah. And I was awoken by... La cucaracha. La cucaracha. Full blast. Now, I predicted your reaction to be a WTF and get up. But the beauty was, you're so stunned. There is one minute of film. I'll put it on Twitter tomorrow, I promise. You can see it. Right, follow Vinnie White and you can see it. There's about one minute of film where where she's just looking down the barrel of a trumpet. (laughs) 
<laughs> clapping her hands. Like not some... in beat, not even in beat. Not in beat at all. <laughs> the best way I can describe it, it looks like a dazed child that's been hit by a car <laughs> trying to work out what's going on. Amazing. I was so... Sh- I don't even remember that. I, like, blacked out. All I remember cut to me dancing outside with them. Like, yeah, I fair felt- play to you. It took you a minute of <laughs> clapping your hands off beat before you finally got out of bed and thought, I don't think they're going to shut up. Yeah. I better start dancing. <laughs> so well done, Amanda. Hopefully that makes us the yin and the yang, you see? Oh, the yin man. is the leg and the yang is very much the mariachi band. <laughs> You're tuned in to the Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio, right, enough bang- News Talk 1010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, enough banging on about how lucky we are and how much we travelled, Amanda. I think it's time to get to the news. I've done no news. There is new news. Tell me the news. There's a humpback whale in the South Pacific Ocean. This it's is the be- best news. I know. It's being tracked <laughs> with a satellite tag by Greenpeace as part of the Great Whale Trail Expedition, which was working to raise awareness about whales threatened by the Japanese Fisheries Agency. Right? Okay. The whale's name was chosen in an online poll. Oh. What could possibly go wrong? Whaley McWhaleface? Good guess. Not quite right. Okay. I like what you're doing, though, because if there's one thing the we've learned about... McWhaleface. I'm yeah. just... I'm just Ocean-exploring things have often come up with some uh, silly names because of the internet. Some of the options, Aiko, Libratad. No. Mira. Boring. Caymana. No. Aurora. No. Shanti. Hate it. Amal. This is dumb. Manami. Okay. What's the good one? They got uh, less than 1% of the vote each. Do you want to know what they named the whale? What did they name it? Mr. Splashy Pants. <laughs> yes. Over 70% of the vote. That's 120,000 yes. out of 150,000. So, did someone submit that or did they put those all out there? Someone no. submitted it. Mr. Splashy Pants sounds fantastic. Yeah. So, they went with it. And they're sticking with it. Yeah, it's good, good. isn't it? Props I like to that them they honoured it. Yeah, it. Yeah, because I don't know if you remember Boaty McBoatface. Yeah, they changed it. They didn't go with it. Although they did give it to one of the submarines on the exploration vehicle. So did there they? is a yeah, one of the submarines. Yeah, doesn't you is called Boaty McBoatface. They ruined it. So, but think about that. We are living in a world, Amanda, where Boaty McBoatface may encounter Mister Splashy Pants. Oh my gosh, I hope that happens. Isn't that great? That's great. I, I'm on that headline. <laughs> Boaty McBoatface meets Mister Splashy Pants. <laughs> All doesn't like a go Beatles well. Song or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, the reason I bring this up is, uh, although this is slightly older news, this is the week that a Magellanic penguin was introduced to help grow a colony of penguins in the aquarium of the Pacific. That's in Long Beach, California. They didn't bother consulting the internet because they knew they'd get a comedy name. Now they just went, just give it a comedy name. <laughs> uh, Admiral Fancy Pants. Yes. Beautiful. So good. So it's going to be very unlikely, but Adam, Admiral Fancy Pants might meet Mr. Splashy Pants with Boaty <laughs> McBoatface. An amazing trio. That's the hard-hitting journalism that we explore here on News Talk 1010. I'm back next week, I promise I will be. I'm also back on Tuesday morning with John Moore about quarter to nine, if you can be bothered to get up for that. Uh, always a pleasure, never chore. Thanks for coming in, Amanda. Thanks, Vinny. Told you so. Told you so. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. Bye. Bye.